0: Penn State could be in a world of trouble if they don't get pressure on Utah quarterback Cam Rising.
1: You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. It is the keys to the game episode, keys to the Rose Bowl for Penn State to come out on top against the Utah Utes. We're going to start off with the defense, then get into the offense later on. We'll talk some Penn State men's basketball, but Penn State's got to get pressure on Cam Rising defensively. I think it's going to be the story of the game for Penn State and Utah. I think this is going to be a lower scoring game, total set around 52. But if Penn State's going to want to be stout defensively, they got to get pressure on the Utah quarterback cam rising because he's extremely efficient and if he's able to operate the way that he has all season long that's going to spell a lot of trouble for penn state if they can't get them off the field in three and outs because it's going to be about ball control in this game and penn state's going to need to do just that get pressure on the utah quarterback they're going to be in trouble if he like i said if he's just able to sit back in the pocket read a book or if they allow him to get some uh beat the edge, and they are able. They allow him to get to the outside because he is an effective runner as well. But why has Cam Rising been so efficient? Well, it starts with the offensive line. Utah's offensive line has allowed only eight sacks in 13 games. The tackle positions are stout. They have Daniels and LaMaya. Those two are, have been anchors for the Utah Utes this past season. But if you watch the tape, you watch that game against Oregon this season, and that was by far Cam Rising's worst game. I'd say even Utah's worst game as an offense. And they lost 20 to 17. It was close. Utah's defense kept the minute. But Cam Rising, three interceptions, 21 to 38, 55 completion percentage. This season, he's been completing 66% of his passes. So look what happens when you get pressure on Cam Rising. Now, Utah didn't give up any sacks in that game. But watch the highlights and Oregon is in the face of Cam Rising. Now I bring this up again, but this was actually something uh, someone pointed out in the YouTube comments saying that Cam Rising was hurt and that he couldn't play like his usual self. I, I buy that to an extent because I'm here to be the Penn State football expert. And, you know, we're scouting the Utah Utes. We're not going to know everything about them on this side. But I, you do a little digging and this was actually interesting. Cam Rising was hurt. A little bit beforehand, they had a Thursday night game against Washington State uh, as it was switching from October to November. And Rising just kind of benched himself, said he wasn't good to go, he wasn't able to play in that game, and they barely beat Washington State with the backup quarterback And then he had this lingering injury for about a few more weeks because Oregon wasn't right after that. Oregon was a few weeks later, which I found to be really interesting. So is it that serious of an injury that he wasn't recovered by that point in time? Um, but I think Oregon just had the right formula. If you're Penn State, watch that tape against the Oregon uh, Oregon Ducks and the Utah Utes of how that unfolded because it was by far the worst game for Rising. He had three turnovers, and that's what you want to do. You don't even have to get the sack, even though obviously you want to do that but force him into pressure situations, make him be quick with the football so that he doesn't get time to dissect the defense. Because if I'm being honest, Cam Rising, when he has time, he's a really good decision maker. But you get that ticking clock in the back of his head, uh, you're going to have some fun defensively for Penn State. He's just not used to getting taken down. Eight sacks this season. Oh, you think 2021 that they stepped up? No, they actually went backwards. He was only sacked six times last season. As I mentioned, he completes 66% of his passes, extremely efficient. If he's allowed to sit back there, read the defense, decide what he wants to do, see the coverage is breaking down, then take off and run. Eventually, he's going to find somebody or make the best uh, play available for that Utah offense. Now, again, uh, this is the keys to the game episode for Penn State to come out on top against the Rose Bowl. This is what I think they need to do against Utah to win the game. The next part of that equation, so you you got to take away Cam Rising's ability to to sit back and relax. You're going to have to double Thomas Yasmin. I know what everyone's thinking when you hear that. He's the third string tight end. Why, Why do you need to focus on Thomas Yasmin? I'm actually not all that worried about the receivers as much. Talented guys, Devon Vele, probably one of the biggest wide receivers Penn State's going to face at six foot five, Jalen Dixon's capable. Money Parks is actually the backup to Vele, but Parks, uh, in his own right, is capable as well. When Vele's been out, he's missed time. But that's part of it. Is Vele going to be 100% coming back after he missed the Pac-12 championship game? They're fine receivers, but Penn State's got an answer for them on the outside, even though Joey Porter Jr. is not available It's in the form of Kalen King and Johnny Dixon and maybe even Marquise Wilson. They'll be able to handle those matchups. And don't forget about Daquan Hardy in the slot. But I say don't let the stats fool you. Thomas Yasmin is a very good tight end. He's athletic. He's just buried on the depth chart behind Dalton Kincaid, who who opted out. Brant Keithy, who was the starter. He was the all-conference tight end from a year ago, got injured, then Kincaid had an All-America type of season, and now it's up to Thomas Yasmin. But those stats of 12 receptions, 300 yards, and five touchdowns. Okay, you're thinking 12 catches, uh, that's not all that great. But if you think about it for a second, 12 receptions for 300 yards. That screams big playability five touchdowns, four of them have come consecutively one in each of the last four games that he's played this season. It's the big playability that comes from Thomas Yasmin and something. Penn state's been pretty good against tight ends this year, but they can be a little more susceptible. They can be Uh Jair Brown's going to be busy, but I actually don't think Jair Brown should be the one covering him. He's in terms of defending Thomas Yasmin, he's six foot five, 250 pounds but he's not just a big body. He moves so well for his size. He's very good in open space, and Utah loves to go to its tight ends. That's why you have to key in on it. It doesn't really matter who's a tight end for Utah. They've shown that whether it's going to be Keithy or Kincaid or Yasmin in the Pac-12 championship game, they're going to the tight ends. He will be a focal point in this game because do Kincaid was the main guy for a majority of the season, right? 70 receptions, 890 yards, and eight receiving touchdowns. That production's going to go to the next man up, and that's Yasmin. And when he went down in the Pac-12 championship game, now he opted out because of that to just kind of rehab, focus on the draft. But Yasmin stepped up, and as soon as he became more of an option in the offense, 81 receiving yards and had a touchdown in the Pac-12 championship game. I'm just amazed at where Utah is able to find these guys at tight end that it Keithy Kincaid and now Yasmin my plan and Manny Diaz already has something scripted up but you got to find a way to bracket Thomas Yasmin I I think you do because your corners are so reliable so you can put them in single coverage because Bailey I think would be a candidate for a double coverage if Kalen King and Johnny Dixon weren't as good as they are but for Thomas Yasmin you need to put Jonathan Sutherland underneath or a linebacker. Maybe that's Curtis Jacobs, but you got to bracket him, put somebody underneath, and then have a Keaton Ellis over the top because I want Jair Brown playing center field in this game. I, I don't want him to have to be focused on one player in particular. I'd rather have someone like a Keaton Ellis uh, or a Jalen Reed be over that, you know, kind of follow Yasmin and essentially be a tight end spy, if you will. The last key for the Penn State defense, if they want to come on on top against Utah, they got to tackle effectively. Pretty simple, you know, make the play. Don't let the Utah offensive players just push you out of the way like they did against USC. A big reason USC got burned in the Pac-12 championship is because Utah had so many yards after contact. That leads to big plays. That leads to the explosive plays that James Franklin talks about and about winning. Wrap up. Do not let Utah get yards after contact because it will create those big plays, and it will also shift momentum to Utah's side. Nothing gets a sideline fired up like a stiff arm to the defender right to the face. Uh, Thomas Yasmin, in this case, he's going to be tough to bring down, but you got to focus on him because, like I said, moves well in open space, and he's just very big to bring down. And then Jaquindon Jackson at running back. He leads your team in rushing touchdowns. Jaquindon Jackson's very tough to stop. He's good after contact. The former quarterback now becoming a running back for utah but that's a tackle effectively don't give up those explosive plays and penn state's defense will be just fine if they get pressure on cam rising they double up on yasmin and tackle uh, very aggressively in this game it is locked on nittany lions we're going to talk about keys for the offense next and later on we're talking penn state men's basketball with special guest adam sheets as he joins me once again on the show it is locked on nittany lions Today's episode is sponsored by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs, everyone. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs. Then add your job in the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that... You, in fact, are hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and then hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. That is LinkedIn.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks so much for making Locked On Nittany Lines your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked on Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts as well. My name is Zach Seiko, your host of Locked on Nittany Lions. Coming up in the next segment, we got Adam Sheets, special guest, joining me on this episode to talk about Penn State men's basketball and give a quick take about the Rose Bowl itself because we're less than a week away. Rose is here, granddaddy of them all. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, Locked on Nittany Lions. We're trying to get to 600 subscribers. I appreciate everyone's support as we've shattered all the other goals. First, it was 400, then 500 before the Rose Bowl. Now we're trying to get to 600, so thank you so much for that. We started off with keys for the defense. Now we got to focus on the offense Offense is under the microscope here. What does Sean Clifford and this Penn state offense need to do in order to get it done against Utah in the Rose bowl. And that starts with Sean Clifford and no, it's actually not going to be with the aerial attack. It's going to be about getting Sean Clifford involved in the running game. Once upon a time, Sean Clifford, because he's been in college football now for six years. So you got to remember back a little bit. Sean was a very effective dual threat quarterback. Right now, they've taken that away from him to protect him, which is fine. I get it because look what happened to the twenty twenty one season. He doesn't get hurt. He's not thrown around his body as much. They Penn State probably has a much better season than they did uh, at seven and six. Uh, It was an abysmal finish, but it was a great start (laughs) for what it was worth. But remember all the way back to twenty nineteen. Sean Clifford was that dual threat like he opened up the offense 402 rushing yards, five rushing touchdowns. It might not seem a lot, but when you compare it uh, in 2022, when he's only in the 100s, now he does in fact have the same amount of rushing touchdowns as he did from that year with five already. So maybe he does beat that number, but Sean Clifford was an effective runner back in the day. And in 2020, even though that was a season we all want to forget, Sean Clifford did run a lot that year. Then in 2021 and now 2022, we've seen that scale back with the change in offensive coordinator to Mike Yurcich. And one of the biggest plays this season came on Sean Clifford running the football, a Clifford keeper, the 62-yarder against Michigan that uh, set up a goal-to-go opportunity and had everybody fooled watching that game. You had the Michigan defense fooled the broadcasters and the camera crew Uh, So Utah's defense is going to be keyed in on Nicholas Singleton and Katron Allen. This is why Sean Clifford can be really effective. Throw him a curveball. Keep him guessing. By keeping the football more often when you go with those RPOs, it's your final game. I've seen some of the listeners and the viewers agree with me already that Sean Clifford's going to be pretty active with his legs. And I think so, too, because it is your final game. You want to win at all costs if you're Sean Clifford. So I fully expect him to go out there with everything he's got. And I'm thinking he's going to have at least 10 carries, maybe even 15. I think he's going to be essentially that third running back with Nicholas Singleton and Katron Allen. Another key for the offense, if they want to win this game against Utah, Brenton Strange, Theo Johnson, Tyler Warren need to be your main passing threats. And it's take a page out of Utah's book right here, right? that they go to Dalton Kincaid throughout the regular season. Now it's Thomas Yasmin. They're going to run a lot of two tight end, and we've seen Penn State progressively go to that with Parker Washington out of the lineup, whether it's that Diamond Pistol backfield or the T backfield, uh, 12 personnel where they're getting at least two tight ends on the field. There is no reason that Penn State shouldn't do what Utah does and go two, even three tight end sets almost every play. Parker Washington's out and that changed the entire dynamic because now your wide receiver core isn't diverse as diverse as it was. You have the extra blocking for Singleton and Katron Allen, the freshman running back dynamic duo and their matchup nightmares in the passing game. How do you guard somebody like Theo Johnson? How do you guard somebody like Brenton Strange who isn't as tall as a Theo Johnson, but uh, he's able to stiff arm those cornerbacks and safeties when he gets an ideal matchup like that? That size is tough to handle. Those three have combined for 12 receiving touchdowns. And I honestly believe there's no reason that all three of them couldn't have a receiving touchdown in this game when they get into the red zone. Remember the Minnesota game. Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren seemed unstoppable. And then there's games throughout this season when Johnson and Warren were either limited or unavailable, where Brenton Strange just took over. So use all three of your tight ends because they're one of your best assets on offense uh, at this point in time. You got to get the ground game going. That's my third key here. Your entire offensive line is expected to be back. Olu Fashinou, Sal Wormley, Hunter Norzad. Juice Scruggs, and Caden Wallace. Like You're going to have the gang there. You're going to have the group all back together. The tight ends will all be available. I imagine that they are all healthy. Uh, Tyler Warren and Theo Johnson missed time here and there, but I expect them to be fully 100% I expect to see and I hope to see a lot of that diamond formation where you have Sean Clifford out of the pistol and then you have two tight ends to his hips and then the one tailback in the backfield T formation where it's Nicholas Singleton and Katron Allen in a three-point stance alongside Brenton Strange. I would actually like to see Brenton Strange or one of those tight ends who essentially acts as that fullback out of the uh, T formation to get a handoff on a fullback dive. I don't think a defense will be expecting that, if that's something that they can run out of that. It's also going to help upset set the play action up. Like it, The ground game will aid the passing game immensely, and if you get Sean Clifford acting as that third runner, now Utah's defense can't sell out for one thing. They can't say, okay, we know that Nicholas Singleton's going to get it out of the pistol formation. We know that Katron Allen, uh, we don't know if Katron Allen's going to get it on the T formation here, or when uh, Penn State goes to shotgun, if Sean Clifford's going to keep it, or if they're going to fake it. To one of those two, and then just dump it right over the middle. Because the second you get those linebackers to bite, then the tight end's going to go right over the top, in between the linebackers who make the who make the wrong read, and then the safeties who are playing a little back. I also think Utah is going to have some extra safeties down in the box, so that means. It's a, a tight end rumbling, bumbling and stumbling with one safety back there if they're going to go cover one. So that's why the ground game is so important and why it's another key for the offense. My final key here for offen- for the offense to get it done against Utah, you, you need some heroics from an unsung player this season. Somebody that's not that hasn't really had that larger role, somebody that's got to step up. This is a great opportunity for somebody that's returning next season that is going to be in that breakout kind of role. Is that Keandre Lambert-Smith as the Z-wide receiver? Since Parker Washington's clearly your number one, Mitchell Tinsley's moving on as well, and now you have Keandre Lambert-Smith, who seems to be the leader going into the 2023 season. Is Amari Evans ready to be that breakout candidate because they seem really excited about him as a future leading wide receiver? It, maybe that's Trey Wallace. That's why we haven't seen a lot of Amari Evans is Trey Wallace, that guy. How about Liam Clifford? You like Sean Clifford? How about Liam Clifford? Has he made enough progress as the wide slot wide receiver with Parker Washington being out? Or is that Caden Saunders? One of those guys in the receiving game is going to have to surprise and have a performance that very few people are expecting. And that'll go along with you know the play action and everything else because those receivers uh, they haven't been as effective with Parker Washington being out. It's been the tight ends, it's been the ground game, and that's fine. It's what's been working. But I, I want to go back to that Purdue game and see Keandre Lambert Smith have that kind of game. And in today's college football bowl games are essentially preseason games for the next season. So I, I do fully expect both offense and defense to have one of those guys who is going to be a feature player next year, have a bigger game than expected in the Rose Bowl for Penn State. As Locked on Nittany Lions. We're going to devote the final segment to Penn State men's basketball. We'll talk with Adam Sheets, Penn State men's basketball insider, next. Today's episode is sponsored by NHTSA. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. And as the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. I, uh, you, you live nearby, you you can make it home. Okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up, you lose your license, you lose your job, you total your car, you kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again, play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Paid for by NHTSA. In our final segment of Locked on Nittany Lions today, we welcome back the Penn State men's basketball insider himself for Penn State's Com Radio Student-Run Broadcast Journalism Club, and that is Adam Sheets over on the other side. Adam, thanks so much for joining me here.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. Anytime to talk Penn State sports.
0: Yeah, we're talking Penn State men's basketball and I'm going to get your take on the uh, Rose Bowl quickly uh, at the end of the segment. But your primary role is covering Micah Shrewsbury and this Penn State men's basketball team. So that's what we're going to discuss. Seth Lundy. He's a huge part of this team. I would say Jalen Pickett's the main guy. And then Seth Lundy's that number two kind of guy in terms of MVP. They're both very talented. But if you're looking for a one-two punch, Jalen Pickett's your Batman. And Seth Lundy's your Robin here. Seth Lundy went down with an injury. Uh, What what can you update us on as far as the status goes? Is he going to be out for an extended period of time? He, He left the game in the middle of a half. And then we didn't see him play against Quinnipiac this past week. So what do you know about the extent of Seth Lundy's injury?
1: From what I've been able to gather, he'll he's going to be all right. You know, I mean, Coach oh, Shrewsbury mentioned that you know in his press conference after the game that you know Seth probably could have played if they were in conference play, and Quinnipiac was a huge conference game that they needed. Seth Lundy probably could have suited up, but he didn't practice leading up to the game, so they decided to hold him out. He obviously they went away for Christmas break. He'll come back. I'm assuming they'll practice today. They probably practice tomorrow and Wednesday leading up to the Delaware State game at Thursday. So I'd expect Seth Lundy to be back on. Thursday it's huge nothing serious with the ankle which is huge to get him back as you said he's been their second best player this season second leading scorer probably their best defender normally put him on the best player on the other team so he's a huge piece for this team especially leading into Big Ten play which starts right after the Delaware State game so it's huge Seth Lundy's okay and they're going to be really happy to get him back on the floor with a team that was able to survive against Quinnipiac.
0: Adam, with that being said, do you expect him to have a minutes cap? Is he going to be 80%, 90%, 100% against Delaware State, especially since you got Iowa coming up on New Year's Day itself in the Bryce Jordan Center? But how do you think they'll handle him against Delaware State?
1: I think they're going to want to get his legs back. I think, you know, missing a game, missing an extended period of time, a whole week, because right after the Quinnipiac game, they all went away for breaks, so they'll be coming back now. So missing a whole week of practice is going to be huge, maybe to get his legs back a little bit. Delaware State, you know, let's just keep it frank. They're not a good team. They're 1-11 on the year, won two games last year, one game this year. So, you know, they're a really young program. Penn State should win with ease. So hopefully Jalen Pickett does not have to play a lot of minutes. Seth Lundy will hopefully be able to play when, you know, he does and he's not going to be pushing it late in games trying to make plays and able to get young guys in, those freshmen, some really valuable reps. So I don't know if they'll put him on a set minutes restriction, but I don't think they're going to need Seth Lundy to play big minutes for them to find a way to win this game and just hopefully able to get his legs under him, You know, feel like he's in good condition leading up to the Iowa game on New Year's Day.
0: I'm talking Penn State men's basketball with men's basketball insider himself, Adam Sheets from Penn State's Com Radio Club. Adam, uh, what did you – now, you you did allude to it. What did you see from that game against Quinnipiac since Seth Lundy was not available? Uh, they had a full game of action. So we saw some of the freshmen get some more valuable minutes. It just – I, I don't like speaking in hypotheticals here because Seth Lundy is going to come back, but say the event that a star player like him for this Penn State team were to go out and miss some action, how, how did the team adjust ultimately with Lundy not being on the floor or if there was any other guy like an Andrew Funk or a Miles Dredd that if they were to miss significant minutes, what is Penn State going to try to do?
1: Um, I think there's a lot they're going to try to do. Coach Shrewsbury mentioned this next man up mentality. He talked about it. You know, Seth Lundy played 30 minutes a game. So there were 30 minutes up for grabs in that Quinnipiac game. Mm-hmm. And some guys who stepped up, Michael Henn, who was a transfer from Delaware, has played a lot the last two games. He played a season high in minutes, had a season high 11 points in the win against Quinnipiac. He's really rolling into that backup forward spot, kind of passing up Caleb Dorsey. So I expect to see a lot more Hen And Jameel Brown played a lot, the freshman out of Philadelphia. He played a lot for them this We kind of took Kanye Clary's minutes. Coach Shrewsbury mentioned that he just didn't think Clary was really locked in when he got there. So, you know, going with Jameel Brown, who a really good shooter. He's kind of the guy that if you would lose an Andrew Funk or Miles Dredd, he's a guy you'd turn to because he can really shoot the ball. That's where he's really strong when you lose a guy like Dredd or Funk who can shoot it. That's going to be really important. But, you know, Jalen Pickett just stepped up. He had 21 points, 12 rebounds, 9 assists. He really took a lot of the pressure on him in that game, was able to keep Quinnipiac at arm's length. They made a little run late to cut it to single digits, and that's what they lost by. But, you know, Jalen Pickett was the best player on the floor. He was able to dominate that game. And he's going to be important. If they do miss one of their star players, Jalen Pickett's going to be expected to take a lot of that load. And I think he's ready to do it, and I think he'd be willing to take that load.
0: What kind of game does Delaware State, what what kind of game for Penn State when you face an opponent like Delaware State, who's, I I frequent the Ken Palm rankings, so they're one of the worst in all of Division I basketball. Uh, Penn State should blow this team out of the water. Uh, However, you have the Iowa game on New Year's Day, and that's a Big Ten conference game, so... Are they going to be looking ahead? How do you use what I'm getting at is how do you use a Delaware State type of game to prepare for Iowa? And hopefully you and how do you avoid getting caught looking ahead uh, in this case? Because Delaware State's going to come out and play like they got nothing to lose. And Penn State might be sleeping in a sense.
1: Yeah, I mean Delaware State's going to come out and play hard. It's one of their biggest games of the season. They don't get to play a Penn State every week, and you know they're going to be coming in here expecting maybe to pull off a big upset. So Penn State's got to be ready to go. I think the one thing they got to do is they got to handle what they can do. They really struggled to shoot the ball against Quinnipiac, and I think that's going to be a big thing for Coach Shrewsbury. They got to knock down shots. You know, when you didn't knock down shots against Quinnipiac, you're going to want to get those reps in, find a way to get those sets in, get guys open for threes. I mean, they hit a seat near a season low, so they definitely got to knock down shots and just be ready to go. I think coach Rusevay is going to coach it the same as any game. He's going to expect them to come in, play the right way. And hopefully they get up early. So you know you don't end up, you know, Delaware State just hanging around. Hopefully Penn State can put their foot on foot on the pedal early to really get out to a big lead and just be able to coast their way to victory. But that's going to be the big thing for them, just not allowing Delaware State to hang around. You can't, When you're in these type of games where you're the heavy favorite, the longer you let the underdog hang around, the more confidence they get. So it's just going to be huge for them to be ready right from the jump and get ready to get out of there. Like we said, hopefully Jalen Pickett, who plays a lot of minutes, does not have to play a lot in this game and get them ready for Iowa, which will be a huge test on New Year's Day.
0: I is that big test. It's a late afternoon game for Penn state, but, uh, and it's on, it's on a Sunday. It's one of those Sunday home games that Penn state doesn't get a lot of Saturday ones. We we hear that talk a lot that they get slighted when it comes to big 10 scheduling in both football and men's basketball, besides the point, but I was that next big test. The final question, Adam, that I have for you about Penn state men's basketball is going back to Illinois. I mean, they went on the road, they, they beat them convincingly and that was a ranked Illinois team that, you know, they beat number two Texas before all the turmoil that the Longhorns started to have in case anybody missed that coach uh, was arrested and, and then charged and then the Chargers were dropped And But Texas was really taking the college basketball world over And Illinois beat them in overtime. And then Penn State went and beat the fighting Illini at home. Is that a sign of things to come for Penn State men's basketball? Uh, And is this the truth, like follow-up test being in Iowa, uh, going up against Iowa? Or was that sort of just kind of a flash in the pan and they still really have something to prove?
1: I think that's the team Penn State can be all year. I think they're really, really good. I think they're one of the better teams. The thing they're going to struggle with is when teams beat them up inside. I don't think Iowa has the ability to do that. They don't have a dominant big like they did with Luka Garza back in the day. You know, Chris Murray, he's a big, but he's more of a perimeter guy looking to get off the dribble. He's not going to try to post guys up. That's where Penn State struggles, and Iowa doesn't have that. Their game after Iowa against Michigan, they'll really see that test with Hunter Dickinson and then Zach Eady and the palestra with Purdue. So they're going to see those big posts coming up after the Iowa game, but they're not going to be testing in that way. And the one thing Penn State can attack this Iowa team in particular is is I was not very good defensive. They're giving up over 70 points a game. They just lost to Eastern Illinois. They're not a good defensive team, and Penn State has been much improved offensively this season, and their defense is still where Coach Shrewsbury would like it to be. So I think you look at how they can play. If they're hitting their shots and they're playing defense the way they're capable of playing defense, they can compete with any team in this conference and beat – any team in this conference. They're going to live by that three. That's what they did against Illinois. They shot the lights out, did a really good shooting. They did not shoot the ball well against Michigan State, and they're a loss in Big Ten play. So if they're shooting the ball well, they can beat anyone. They're going to have to find a way to win games, though, when they're not shooting the ball as well as they can.
0: Adam Sheet, you're the Penn State men's basketball insider, but you follow Penn State football pretty closely. We're under a week away from Penn State versus Utah in the Rose Bowl. Your thoughts on the game out in Pasadena come Monday, January second?
1: I think it should be a really entertaining game. I know Utah had a couple opt out of some key positions. Penn State's obviously missing Joey Porter Jr. Everyone else, as of right now, is still going to play. Parker Washington's obviously out with the injury. Uh, but, you know, they're expecting a lot of guys to play, get a lot of guys back, and I think it's going to be a really entertaining game. I'm interested to see how Penn State does running the ball against that Utah front. You know, they're really physical up front. They like the blitz a lot. They've been a physical team out in the Pac-12 and Penn State. Much improved rushing the ball this year with freshman running backs Nicholas Singleton and Catron Allen. So I'm interested to see that battle, especially going into next year when you look. They're going to need to be able to run the ball. Drew Aller, extremely. Talented that would love to have a run game with him and allow them to really open up the entire offense. So it's huge to see them keep improving in the run game and have a lot of success against this Utah
0: team. And so you bring up the ground game. Any other key that Penn State needs to accomplish to get the win? It's
1: going to be turnovers. Uh, They cannot turn the ball over. That's been when you look at the losses this year outside of Michigan, the loss to Ohio State. They were in that game. They outplayed Ohio State, but they turned the ball over a lot. Ohio State had the defensive touchdown late. Um, So you just look, you got to protect the football if you're Sean Clifford. It's his last game in the blue and white. Obviously, going to want to be able to go out on top with a win in the Rose Bowl. Um, So you got to be able to protect the football. Penn State protects the ball. They've been able to move the ball a lot this season. So if they're not turning the ball over, able to run it. Sean Clifford makes the throws. When he doesn't turn it over, he's a really, really good quarterback and makes smart decisions. So if Penn State's able to do that, I think they're going to have a lot of success offensively. And the defense just got to keep rolling with what they've been doing over the last month of the season back in November. Manny Diaz really started to hit his stride as a play caller on the defensive side. If they can do that again, they're going to be really hard to score on. And Utah, you know, they've been up and down offensively this year, so it's interesting to see how they're going to handle Cameron Rising specifically. He's going to Handle that pressure, Manny Diaz is going to draw up.
0: And your score prediction? With all that being said,
1: now I'm going to pick Penn State to win. I think you know with the opt outs at the tight end and the corner positions really going to hurt Utah in this game more than Penn State with losing Parker Washington and Joey Porter Jr. Because Penn State was missing those guys a lot down the stretch. Joey Porter Jr. missed with the appendicitis, and Parker Washington was out for the season early as well. So I think Penn State's going to win. I'm going to go about 38-21. I think it's close. Penn State maybe pulls away pretty late but i think penn state able to get the win i think they're the better team and i think they're going to be able to flex their muscle and be able to pull off that win in the rose bowl and get that rose bowl win for the nittany Lions.
0: all right adam sheets penn state men's basketball insider for com radio at penn state university adam before i let you go how can people connect with you online where they where should they get all your content
1: uh, go straight to Twitter at sheets, Adam. You'll get all coach Shrewsbury and all the players from Penn state basketball, all their quotes. And during the press conference, as well as stories and everything you need for Penn state men's basketball.
0: All right, Adam, thanks again, as always. And I look forward to the next time that I'm able to invite you on the show here. Thanks again for your time. Thanks for having me, Zach. Thanks again for tuning in for another episode of locked on Nittany lines. If you haven't already subscribed to the YouTube channel, leave a like comment, any feedback, comment your keys to the game for Penn State and Utah, what the Nittany Lions need to do to come out on top against Utah. And it is going to happen. We got a Locked On crossover booked and ready to go for the middle of this week. We talked to JT of Locked On Utes to get the full preview of Penn State and Utah in the Rose Bowl. And, of course, we're going to have more discussion about Penn State and Utah throughout this week and the breaking news as it rolls in. So remember to keep it right here on Locked On Nittany Lions. Thanks so much for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked on Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts.